0: Hello, everyone. It is Monday, March 27th, 2023, and shit is wild out there. Welcome to season one, episode one of Luke, Who is Your Father, a podcast about mystery, scandal, and triumph of the familial variety. This season, we're telling you about being triplet separated at birth, the trials and tribulations of growing up separately, coming together, and the hunt for our biological father. I'm your host, Jules. I'm Kenny. And I'm Ricky. And I cannot believe we are sitting here, you two. This has been a little while in the making, but not as long a while as some of my ideas. I've always been the idea girl, unsuccessfully. They've never come to fruition. And um, it's been a little bit tragic, honestly. They have not all been bad ideas. Beltong startup,
1: vape truck. <laughs> Swing I, set,
0: Jim. I
1: designed you a beautiful label for <laughs> Yeah, that. we've
0: we've gone the steps, <laughs> and we have just never kind of latched down on anything, mostly because of my fair fear of failure, which I think is prevalent in all of us. And so this is the first thing that we, A, are working on all together, B, are actually finally sinking our teeth into, and it is possible because we finally all live in the same city, and I thought... Today is going to be a little bit different. I'm going to give you guys kind of a bird's eye view of the story that we'll be telling, and we'll introduce you to to us to get to know us a little bit better. Better, so we're not such um, strangers. So Ricky Kendall and I, um, we're triplets, and Ricky stayed with my. She grew up with my birth mother, Kathleen. Kathleen found out that she was having triplets very late into her pregnancy she was we were conceived via artificial insemination and i know that that can be kind of hard to understand which is why today's episode is going to be so special uh, because you'll find out all about that so conceived via artificial insemination she found out very late that she was having triplets she gave kennel and i up for adoption so we grew up as twins and we did not know that we had a sister until we were a triplet until we were nine and did not get to meet her until we were 11. So that's really what this first season is going to be diving into. There will be some twists and turns along the way. And what it's kind of gonna culminate in is the absolute shit show that is at-home DNA testing, folks. We know that that is something that has upended so many people's lives in the past decade. So this first season really aims to tell our story. We know that it is uh, unique, but it is not one of a kind. So we want to open the floor for seasons to follow for you, our listeners, to be able to relate, to tell your stories. We have a couple really cool avenues for you to be able to do that. We actually have a partnership established with My Forever DNA, which we'll dive into um, in future episodes, future seasons as well. But today, we will really be um, just kind of laying the groundwork for all that is to follow. (coughs) So again, I'm Julianne. I am (coughs) baby A, (laughs) the oldest of the triplets. I live in Austin, Texas. I've lived here for four, it'll be four years in June, and moved here to be with my sister Ricky, who I've never lived in the same city as. And um, it has not been the easiest road, which is another reason why I'm so grateful that we're here. Uh, Because when you grow up separately, it is really hard to define that sister relationship and what that looks like. Um, And I have been guilty of not always treating that with the respect that it deserves. So the fact that we're here together, we are able to overcome not just the the obstacles in our past, but the obstacles that that were preventing us from doing this is so special. Uh, so again, lived in Austin, Texas for four years now. I have oh, four cats. <laughs> She's a cat lady. <laughs> I don't know how this happened. I do know how this happened. It was a Brady Bunch situation. I live with my partner and our four cats and um, I'm in sales, have been in sales for a long time. Um, But this is by far the thing that I've been most excited to do in my quote unquote professional career. I hope it takes us a long way.
2: It will. I'm confident. And leaning further into DTR, defining the relationship. Between sisters and triplets, a very special person, who's yet to be announced, asked us recently, if you were in a soap opera, who would be the evil one? And you said...
0: Unequivocally, myself. Me. <laughs> I, you would think as the oldest of the three of us, I would exhibit oldest child traits. Maternal Organized, responsible, type A. And I'm not really sure what happened. (laughs) I blame the C section. (laughs) (laughs) I have always been a little bit of a black sheep. I am making strides. I will always try to groom my black sheep coat, but it will never go away.
2: Well, I would certainly hope not. And And I'd like to lean a little bit more into that. Oh, super. So, Each week, I'm sure you heard that we started with shit is wild out there, because it do be. So so that you can get us to uh, to know us a little bit better organically, I'm going to pull a question out of my hat on the spot. What's the wildest? And we're going to go from there. And we're definitely going to learn a little bit more about Julianne right now. Julianne, what is the wildest thing you've ever done? For a man?
0: (laughs) Honestly, the first answer that comes to my head is pretty wholesome because it has to do with my current partner. And um, I'm sure there are wilder things that I've done in my past that I'm conveniently forgetting, but a
2: trauma response.
0: (laughs) A trauma response. As far as, but I do think that this is the wildest thing I have done for a man because I had my, so the way that I knew of my boyfriend is that I was really good friends with his best friend from college and I kept hearing about him kept hearing about him for over a year I maybe saw one photo but the stories that I would hear I knew he was a redhead she and, loves a ginger oh my god I love a ginger shout out Jack Bannock. <laughs> and I knew that he uh, was a little bit feisty, was a little bit of a troublemaker, and I was just kept asking, when is he coming to Austin? When is he coming to Austin? And the answer was always unsatisfactory to me. So for my thirtieth birthday, I was planning on throwing a big party in Austin, and got really stressed out about that. And I went to my friend that was that is his best friend, and I said, you know what? Instead for my thirtieth birthday, what we're gonna do is we're gonna get a cabin in Colorado for a week, which is where. My partner, who lived at the time. And you can tell him that he is picking us up from the airport. <laughs> and then I isolated him in a cabin <laughs> for five days. Uh, within two days, my mom came up to make a spaghetti dinner and pulled him aside and told him what? that she was so happy that I had finally found the one. <laughs> oh, no. After knowing him for approximately, approximately 35 minutes. <laughs> and I put him under my spell and he asked me to be his girl after five days of knowing each other. We were long distance for about a year. And then I pulled him into the web that is Austin. And we that's history in the making. And we've been together ever since. We
2: love a torrid whirlwind, romance. not toxic romance, <laughs> <laughs> And I do feel like we need to give him the teeny a shout out, which he may or may not appreciate.
0: We do. So the, the name of this podcast is Luke, who is your father. I have been thinking about this, like we said, for about two years now, came came up with the whole idea of it content, but had no idea what to call it. And then I started dating my boyfriend, whose name is Luke. (laughs) This podcast has nothing to do with him. He is unaffiliated. And We were thinking about, we had been watching Star Wars, and Star Wars is actually the story of twins that were separated at birth and eventually meet each other, and we won't go any further than that. (laughs) And so when I was like looking at his face and thinking about the podcast, I was like, oh my God, Luke, who is your father, would be a great title. So that is the shout out to my boyfriend, Luke. Yes, this podcast has nothing to do with you, but I love you anyways.
1: And he's not related to us in any way. <laughs> but I think that's enough about me.
0: Why don't we make myself less wildly uncomfortable and shift focus to Kendall? Kendall, you are here. I'm here. Sitting right next to me. Against we never all this, odds. Against all odds. We never thought this would happen. Tell us, how the fuck did
1: we rope you into this? Well, initially, uh, when it was brought to me, I was supposed to be more of a background character, a fly on the wall, if you will, that would, you know, design everything for the podcast and uh, chime in a little bit with with some color every now and then. Um, however, y'all pulled a great big fat bait and switch on me and <laughs> decided that I needed to be an integral part of the first season. So... Here we are. Um, and I couldn't be happier. I have always uh wanted to work on a project with you guys because we do have such varying skill sets that lend themselves so well to like a full team of people um to be collaborating on something creative. And so um I just always wanted that to happen, and we're all obsessed with podcasts. Ain't so
2: the truth. You know, this
1: just seems to be the perfect platform for us to work together on, so. And where do you fall in the lineup? I'm Baby B, the typical middle child. Um, As she lives and breathes. Yeah. I'm the moderator, the peacemaker, the creamy center of the Oreo filling, the O-filling, the Oreo center?
0: (laughs) The creamy center of the Oreo. Oh my God, please
1: coin the (laughs) O-filling. The O filling.
0: The oh, O, that o filling. Dirty.
1: Um. And so, you are also the dirtiest one out of uh, all of us. I am not. Maybe in hygiene. Um. Oh my God, she went there. <laughs> now you know.
2: She showered today. She showered looks amazing. Today. Got a haircut.
0: Um, she showered. She smelled nice. We'll see how it. Progresses.
1: so yeah that's me uh I was the last to hop on the Austin bandwagon I moved down here about uh three years ago in February beginning of the pandemic really awesome timing on my part um luckily Austin is a city full of patios yeah. No, it's
2: terrible, actually. <laughs>
1: it's Don't awful. Nobody moved here. here. <laughs> I
2: didn't get that. Could
1: you try again?
0: It's, it's terrible, terrible, actually. <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, so I moved here about three years ago. Um, since then, you know, despite it being a pandemic, I've had some really awesome career opportunities. I now work for a cybersecurity company as um, the graphic designer for the cyber intelligence team. i uh, the graphic designer for this podcast. <laughs> and that. And uh, I live with my boyfriend as well. Um, and to. This is your first shacking. Yes, this is my, I've, we've, we've shacked up. It's not her first shagging, but it's her first
0: shagging. It's her first shagging. her first shagging not to be confused with shagging.
1: <laughs> uh, but we live with uh, two amazing, muddy, mutt-mutt dogs. Monst- monster dogs. Yes, we love just, them. Just the one. Just the one. Lola, who we uh, adopted about a year ago, she's... A monster. She's truly, she's, if you ask what... What's wild, <laughs> Lola. Lola's wild. Uh, so, yeah, it's just been it's been pretty good in Austin so far. Kendall, we're talking about Lola being
2: wild. And I know you thought you were going to get away from this question. And I know you wish you would have. What is the wildest thing you
1: have ever done for a man? Well, I'm, I'm going to have to say that's probably moving to Austin. <laughs> I thought
2: that was for us.
1: He'll copy and a lie already. Um, I lived in Seattle previously, uh, dream city, really love it up there. Um, however, minute, minute, a boy, really. Um, You met a boy boy moving me to Austin. I met a boy moving Julianne to Austin. Um, We dated for about six months, which seems like not a lot. However, I had already been in a five year long distance relationship previously. The lease was up and I was just You know, not going to do the long-distance thing again. Plus, I had already been contemplating Austin previously before I even moved to Seattle. So, signed a lease. Uh, (laughs) And then he broke up with me a month before I moved down here. (laughs) And after you had signed the lease. After we had signed the lease, after I had gotten my company to agree to move me down here remotely, paid for the movers. So... That was really fun. I told him, oh, I'm moving anyway, <laughs> so. Better get used to seeing me around like a G. And uh, yeah, still really happy I made the move, even though it started out not great. I hope he is so happy. I hope he's doing really, 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 really well. <laughs> Let's just say I'm real glad I didn't have to live with him during a pandemic. <laughs> oh my
2: God, can you imagine?
1: wowzers is he still alive after the pandemic, pandemic?
0: <laughs> he can't he can't drive anywhere i bet
1: he's just fossilized <laughs> and uh that moves us on to <laughs> let's let's take this this heat lamp off of me ricky <laughs> uh where do you fall in the the triple lineup i'm baby
2: c which means that I'm suffering from both youngest child syndrome and also only child syndrome because I grew up apart from Jules and Kenny. Uh, so you could definitely define me as the most polarizing, most attention seeking, most like a theater kid. We up to those theater kids. love, we love a theater, theater kids. kids. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, um, chaotic and attention seeking on my worst day.
0: Which you have very few of.
2: Thank you. That means a lot coming from you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and on my best day, just like what, you know, uh, you came to me, said, I want to do a podcast. And I said, cool, let's do a podcast. Um, i a doer, a connector of people, huge friend group in
1: Austin. Always I'd say she's responsible for about 90% of the population down here.
2: Yeah. Uh, responsible for 90% of the population in
0: Austin. She get me. a stipend.
1: <laughs> and speaking of being able to
0: just kind of pull the switch on this, how are you able to do that?
2: Well, I have been employed for four years at Scribe Media. They'd probably hit me on the nose if they heard me say I've been employed at. That's just not well within our company lingo. I work with them. Um, but we started off by writing, publishing, and marketing books. And we're moving into podcasts. And I said, I'm the first one. (laughs) And they (laughs) said, okay. Um, so they set us up with all of the equipment they're producing and editing the podcast. They are truly, truly wonderful and we love them dearly. But aside from working at Scribe, I have been in Austin for 10 years. So I was the impetus for all of this. Um, Back when it was cool. No, I'm just kidding. I'm not one of those people. It's so cool. But it, it's terrible. It's terrible, actually. No, I'm up here. <laughs> I said that. Um, I live with my partner. We've been together for two years now. He is truly my better half. Deeply intelligent and unproblematic and helpful.
0: Unproblematic and helpful. What a nice change of pace for you. And listen. Before, I'm sorry. What? <laughs> For me. What a nice change of pace for us. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yes, I would say all of our pickers have been historically off. We have daddy issues that we're addressing now. <laughs> yeah. But um yes, all living with our beautiful, divine, perfect partners on Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Let's pack up the
1: perfect. perfect. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and Ricky, what is the wildest thing I you have ever done? I cannot fucking wait for this. (laughs) For a man. I
0: literally don't even know what's going to come out of her mouth. I'm so excited. Okay. This
2: is not going to be the wildest because there are too many to count. I am a grand gesture person. But (laughs) the one that comes to mind, I was seeing a man here in Austin, a boy, like you said, a boy.
1: Yes, they're all boys.
2: And he had a risky, high stakes, physical job. We'd probably been seeing each other for like two months at this point. It was not serious. Thank fucking God. Why I did this for him when it was not serious, I do not know. Uh, But he, (laughs) one weekend, I guess didn't want to talk to me or deal with the the responsibility of me. So he essentially faked his own death. (laughs) He had someone message me from his Instagram account and say that he was in the hospital with a traumatic brain injury. (laughs) I scoured everywhere for the entire weekend. Hitting up my EMT contacts, checking hospitals, checking jails. Uh, he had this person persistently keep in touch with me over DM. I DM'd his mom. She was like, "Oh no,
1: this happens often. <laughs> <laughs> he gets hmm. three traumatic brain injuries a year." <laughs> I will say that those uh, EMT and prison contra- contacts have come in great handy for someone. I should. should
2: our shenanigans so he then I guess Monday decided that he would like to put up with me again made up this whole thing where he was like literally calling me from his work site audibly yelling at his crew being like I can't believe you guys did this you need to come apologize to her he said that they stole his phone and was pranking me were pranking me and I believed him <laughs> And then that week was his birthday and he was working on a site in Galveston, which is three hours from Austin. I drove there on a work night to celebrate his birthday with him in an empty hotel restaurant because it was in the middle of the pandemic and then drove home the next morning to work (laughs) and for our next date his magical disappearing act. We got a little tipsy. Things were just starting to open up because of it it was opening from the pandemic, went to dinner, went to a bar. He he came up to my apartment. We were playing records. He sort of threw a drunken fit where he was like, I can't be with you when I have to work in Houston sometimes. (laughs) And I was like, you need to calm down. And then I went to the bathroom and I came back and he was gone. He ghosted me in my own apartment, and I've never talked to him again. That'll do it.
0: I feel like that was the craziest shit someone's ever done to you. (laughs) Valid. Valid. The sad part is... But it's not. It's not even close. (laughs) Well, tell us a little bit more, Rick, about how we're moving forward today and... What give us an intro to someone really important and special. So important and special. So Julian covered it. We kind of want you guys to, in
2: starting this podcast, get an idea of who we are, the people that we're involved with, everyone that's a part of this story, the decisions that were made, why they were made, TikTok. This isn't a question of whether this was right or wrong. This is a story of what happened Uh, and we thought that the best person to start with would be the woman, the myth, the legend, the lady that gave birth to us, Kathleen. Um, so she's going to guest on the podcast today. We interviewed her. It was the first time that we've ever all truly, this is crazy. This is the first time that we've ever all sat down and talked about the circumstances with each other and her, um, She'll kind of get into it in the interview, but she has always had a strange relationship with Julianne specifically because we learned when she was considering the adoption, how to choose, she didn't want to separate if anyone was identical. Uh, And the doctor told her no one was identical. And obviously me and Julianne, I don't know if you're having a hard time telling us apart on the mic, but we're pretty similar. We're going to test later to see if we're identical. You guys are going to see it but she quite clearly feels as though she did in fact separate identicals and has projected that feeling of hers onto Julianne. So all has been pretty weird (laughs) at Julianne.
0: And in turn, Julianne's been pretty weird back. (laughs) This was the first time
2: we've ever spoken really. Yeah. This is, this was their first conversation. Um, and a perfect place to note that there will be discrepancies throughout the podcast. This is not a research podcast. This is not a fact-checking, fact-finding podcast. This is talking to each person about their own individual perspective and story. So I'm sure her answers will all very wildly from other people that will have sharing their perspective later. Um, and not everyone will maybe agree with what she did, but we sitting in the room agree with it. Very much so.
1: And we're the only ones that really matter. And we're the only
2: ones that really matter. Um, So I'm so grateful that she got to come on today. But before I sort of objectively, non-objectively introduce her because I am her daughter (laughs) that lived alone with her for many years of my (laughs) life, um, I wanted to, we have adoption papers that we actually received for the first time a couple of weeks ago. And I wanted to give you guys the perspective of the adoption agency when interviewing Kathy and Lee, when they were noting everything so that the adoptive parents would know what they were getting into and vice versa. And we cannot talk about Kathleen without talking about Lee. Uh, So Lee was my dad. He passed away in 2002, in May. Um, I loved him dearly still do. And I think to get some insight into some of the fears that she had going into the pregnancy, we have to start with Lee. So I am going to read you guys that kind of synopsis from the adoption agency. Harlan Lee was born on, Harlan Lee Jump was born on June 23rd, 1934 in Colorado. As a child, Lee's family life is described as chaotic He was left with his maternal grandparents in infancy and was raised by his grandparents until he was eight years old. At that time, Lee's mother returned to claim her son. This was troublesome for Lee, who had come to view his grandparents as his real parents. Complicating the situation further was the fact that Lee's stepfather was domineering and strict and disciplined Lee in a harsh manner, frequently by hitting him with a belt. When Lee was 15, he became involved in a physical fight with his stepfather As a result, Lee's stepfather presented him with a bus ticket and asked Lee to permanently leave the house. Lee was on his own for about a year, traveling and working at a variety of jobs, including construction of radio towers and as a ranch hand. At age 17, Lee enlisted in the Navy, where he served for five years. While stationed in California, Lee learned that his biological father, whom he had never met, lived in the vicinity. Lee tracked his father down and with no preparations or arrangements agreed upon showed up at his father's home. The meeting was disappointing and disillusioning for Lee as his father was an alcoholic and unemployed. Lee has been married four times. His first marriage lasted 17 years and produced two children. The oldest child, Rick, was killed in a motorcycle accident in 1982 when he was 26 years old. Lee's daughter, Sherry, is 35 years old and lives in Idaho Springs. Lee worked as a truck driver when Rick and Sherry were children and spent a great deal of his time away from home. As a result, he was removed from the day-to-day functioning of his family and relied on his wife to do the majority of work involved in parenting and disciplining the children. Lee was also reluctant to discipline the children because of his own memories of being disciplined so severely by his stepfather. Lee's second and third marriages were of brief duration, and in Lee's words, Not worth talking about. Lee characterizes his marriage to Kathy as the best and most enduring. He acknowledges growing up during their separation and believes that his relationship with Kathy has improved since that time. While Lee was not initially in agreement over Kathy's desire to have a child, he ultimately chose to support her decision because it meant a great deal to her to be a parent. Lee expresses his fears about parenting at his advanced age and also his apprehension about the potential for repeating some of the same mistakes he may have made with his other children. Lee presents as a friendly and loquacious man with a down-to-earth sense of humor. Lee works as a truck driver and has worked for the same company for the past five years. During his leisure time, Lee enjoys riding his motorcycle. So that's what my mom was working with. (laughs) I think it's been really difficult for her because of the difficulties in their marriage, which were plentiful, to reflect back on. It's just not the generation to reflect back on his traumas as a child and realize that they may have caused him to do some dumb shit as an adult. Uh, But what's most cool about reading that about my dad is that I had no idea that he was also on the hunt for his biological father. And we can see that that does not always end well. (laughs) Um, So I have all of the sympathy and compassion for him in the world. And I miss him dearly. And then moving on to my mom, Kathy, Julianne and Kendall's birth mother, Kathleen Marie was born on February 7th, 1956. Please note that different in age (laughs) in Atlantic, Iowa. She has two older brothers. Kathleen's parents divorced when she was 12 years old. However, married one another again, several years later. Kathy's father worked for the highway patrol while her mother remained at home caring for the children. Kathy had a closer relationship with her father as a child and felt more comfortable sharing more of her personal feelings with him. Kathy's relationship with her mother was more conflictual, and she characterizes her mother as overbearing and unhappy. She believed that her mother favored Kathy's two older brothers over Kathy. Kathy's childhood and adolescence were difficult. When she was two years old, Kathy lost 95% of her hearing as the result of contracting measles and mumps simultaneously. She had a 106 degree fever. As a child, Kathy remembers feeling frustrated and socially isolated. She explains that it was very difficult for her to communicate her needs and to understand communications from others. Kathy refused to learn sign language because she did not want to lose her receptive and verbal communication skills, stating that she wanted to be a hearing person and not a deaf person. Moreover, Kathleen did not want to appear to be any more different from her peers than she already was. Kathleen attended regular schools and she completed high school in Sioux City, Iowa, and her personal relationships were difficult for her due to her auditory deficit and hearing aids. She wore her hair long in an attempt to hide her disability. During her teen years, Kathy did some experimentation with drugs as a way to gain acceptance from her peers. Kathy moved to Colorado with a friend when she was 21 years old to achieve independence and emancipation from her family. Her parents were not supportive of the move. Kathy met Lee at a bar in 1980 when she was 24 years old. After living together for four years, they were married. The couple separated for a period of time as their first several years of marriage were difficult. Kathy perceives her relationship with Lee to be more stable at this point in time. Kathy presents as an expressive woman and is able to compensate for her hearing loss very well. Kathy reads lips and is able to speak very clearly. She is employed as a clerk for the U.S. Postal Service, where she was apparently sleeping, (laughs) pregnant, on the job, (laughs) a position she has held for the past seven years. Kathy's hobbies include reading, woodworking, and swimming. So those are my roots, at the very least. Those are the circumstances that they were dealing with. That's what my mom will be talking about today. Uh, We obviously get our stubbornness from somewhere. (laughs) And we were so excited to talk to her, and I think she did a really amazing job. Uh, she is hearing impaired, so any sort of technical difficulty, audio difficulty, delay, etc. This woman was reading our lips the entire time, um, and we were we were so grateful and moved to have her on, and we can't wait for you guys to hear her side of the story. So we're gonna take it over to Kathy. Hi, Mom. How are you? I'm good. How are you? (laughs) We're doing good. You're here with the three babies that you birthed. (laughs) And we um, have gotten a lot of questions on our TikTok in starting the podcast about everything leading up to the adoption and post adoption, and a lot of people would like to hear what you have to say on the manor (laughs) so we have some questions to ask you today how are you feeling i'm feeling good are you happy to be here sure (laughs) (laughs) okay so first tell us your name kathleen okay
3: and how old are you 67
2: (laughs) You look great, Kathleen. You look (laughs) great. Do you feel 67? No. You don't look
3: 67. How
0: old do you feel?
3: How old do you feel? Oh, I feel probably 57. That's pretty good.
1: It's a thing, it's a scientific thing. (laughs) When you feel younger than you actually are.
3: (laughs) My mother never did the things that I do at age 67
0: never no she would never can you elaborate on that <laughs> uh, can you elaborate on that what do you do that your mom would never have i work outside i plant
3: flowers i mow lawns i shovel snow i drive <laughs> tractors and motorcycles and have you been driving motorcycles recently no but I- <laughs> <laughs> I still have my motorcycle license so I still can. Oh. You should get on it. <laughs> what would your mom what was your mom doing at 67? Sitting around drinking beer. <laughs> okay, that's <I'm> so serious.
2: <laughs> I, I think I knew grandma when she was 67. Yes. And did. I think she was sitting around drinking beer. <laughs> watching basketball.
3: <laughs> yes, watch it sports too. Right? It. All sports. So, mom, you
2: didn't want to ever have children.
3: And then you met dad. And that was still the case. Will you tell us about how you met dad? And I did not now want children before I met your dad. I didn't know because I didn't even think about it. So I okay. didn't about it. I met him at a bar, obviously. <laughs> that's a good meeting place. <laughs> um, but actually, he came to the place that I worked. He, he used to hang out at the place right next door, so I saw him on the road a lot, too. So that's where I met him.
0: And when you he say th- on the
3: road, huh? do you mean on a motorcycle? <laughs> Now, if somebody's going to change talking, you need to let me know because I'm looking at Ricky. So okay. I need to be able to look at somebody <laughs> before they say something.
0: Julianne has a question. Okay. Oh, I just said when you see a, you see him on the road or saw him on the road, was it on a motorcycle? Yes. That was. <laughs> <Yes. laughs> did you stop at the
2: same places all the time or how did you see him on the road?
3: Because I worked, I, I would be outside or just got off work or, and then the bar that we went to was not too far away. Okay.
2: And what did he say to you when he hit on you for the first
3: time? Um, well, I think he was sitting at the bar and I went up and sat next to him.
2: Oh, you hit on him.
0: <laughs> what did you say? I didn't say anything. I just got it. <laughs> <laughs> just plopped on down <laughs> playing it cool. Did you have a question, Jules? Yes, I do you. have a question. So, Kathleen, when you say that we need to let you know which one of us is going to be talking and when, why is that? Because I read lips and I I do
3: hear, but it helps to read, see the lips so that I can focus and not have to concentrate. And can you tell us a little bit about why? Okay. All right. So I had measles and the mumps when I was three years old at the same time. And I had a high fever of 106. And they didn't know that I lost any hearing until I turned eight. So five years went by before <laughs> we knew that I had a hearing loss because it was just a little at first and then it progressed.
0: Thank you. I know that was backtracking. I just wanted to clarify a little bit. Thank you. Yes, you're welcome. <laughs> and you can hear a little bit
2: now because you have a cochlear implant.
0: Yes, I
3: can hear it much better. Can you hear it all with it off? No, not much. (laughs) Okay.
2: Well, I think that's important um, when we talk about the decisions that you made down the road. Um, But so you met dad and you hit on him at a bar
3: and then you guys just... I just made myself present. (laughs) (laughs) What did you guys talk about for the first time? Oh, I don't remember. <laughs> nothing um, notable. He was And then he was married. Oh, okay.
2: Well, we know that he didn't., uh, he said those other two marriages were nothing of note. <laughs> <laughs> of course <laughs> So then he got divorced. Yes. And then you guys started dating. Mm-hmm. In that order, I'm sure. <laughs> and then, how did he ask you to marry him? And what? How did he ask you to
3: marry him? Um. He gave me. Yeah, I opened up a ring for Christmas, an engagement ring. Hmm. Cute. It was the one that you lost. <laughs> What? <laughs> do you remember I gave you the wedding ring and you lost it? The first one, the silver one, you were wearing it like a, uh, uh, what do you call that when? They're, like they're, around my necklace? No, you wore it on, oh, I don't know. I'm not sure. I think you wore it on your finger. It was going to be one of those things like you were still going to church then. So, you
1: know. ring.
3: Oh, a purity ring. Yes. Yes, that's
2: what it was. And then I lost it. <laughs> <laughs> Crazy. <laughs> well, I don't remember that at all. <laughs> and then dad was how many years older than you? 22. 22 years older than you. Okay. So then you guys got married. Tell us about your wedding day.
3: Oh, yeah. Um. <laughs> Well, <laughs> I wore a cowboy wedding dress, and I had a cowboy hat on, and we got married in the backyard at our house, and Michael and Pat, mom, dad, and all were there, and all these ex-wives were there. How many of them? <laughs> Two. <laughs>
2: Was that Sammy? Yes. And Pat?
3: No, Jeannie. Oh, <laughs> the other one.
2: <laughs> he had four. You were his fourth wife. Yes. Okay. Okay. And then, so you had agreed when you got married that kids were not going to be in the picture.
3: No, well, we just never, well, probably, we just never talked about it until, maybe sometimes we did talk about it, but he did not want children. Why? Because he already had to mm-hmm.
2: and I we read earlier that his dad disciplined him in very cruel ways, and he didn't want to repeat any of the mistakes that he'd made in being absent with his kids or any of the mistakes that his dad did with another child. Okay, so how did you tell him you wanted a baby? Like just tell
3: them. and what made you decide that well because you you when you're hanging around people that are having children and then pretty soon everybody's you just start having that clock tick you know what does it feel like it's just uh, a desire to have a child for whatever reason (laughs) okay so then you told him you want a baby and you separated he said no. And so I said, okay, so we'll just separate then. Er, and so about a month went by or six weeks. And he asked me out for dinner and he said, you can have a baby. Come home. <laughs> and then what did you do? I went home. <laughs> and so, but it was about, uh, Three months later, by the time we got all of the information that we needed to do what we were going to do to have to get artificially inseminated, it was about three months because I had to get on pills to to make my hormones right. and To make my chance of getting pregnant the best, the best Mm -hmm. possible. And so you chose to go
2: the route of sperm donation. How did you choose a sperm donor
3: and how long did it take you? Well, I, I'm sure I, I, I chose the one I chose the day I got the papers or whatever, you know, wherever the information came from. I don't know. I don't recall where that was. And I picked him because he had curly hair and green eyes. And so I wanted you guys, my, my child to have curly hair and green eyes, so.
2: Thanks, Mom. (laughs) Mission (laughs) accomplished. (laughs) Two out of three. (laughs) I have a question. Kendall has a question.
1: (laughs) Kathleen, what color are your eyes?
3: They're blue.
1: But they were green back then,
3: I think. (laughs) Sometimes they're green. I mean, sometimes they're green. It just depends on what I'm wearing.
1: (laughs) Same. Same. So I got yours. I got, blue eyes. And they got his.
2: Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Do you think that Kendall looks more like you than the other
3: two of us? Well, in some ways, I definitely see you, me, and you, and Julianne, and Kendall in different ways. Mm-hmm. I think we look more like you when you were younger.
2: Okay. And Kendall looks more like you now. I'm sorry. Although she's.
3: <laughs> I'm sorry, you look like me when I'm older.
1: <laughs> no, <laughs> you look beautiful. I'm happy about it.
3: <laughs> so
2: you went, you had one unsuccessful sperm donation. And then the next one took. Right. How did you find out?
3: Um, I found out very quickly, actually, because they tested me in two weeks. And I was falling asleep at work. And I never, ever did that. But I I took a pillow to work. (laughs) (laughs) That's how tired I was. uh, Where were you working? At the post office. (coughs) Down in Denver on Wine Coop. 17th and Wine Coop.
0: (laughs) Look at her plate her hair like Kendall. Like Kendall.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I do that. that.
2: So you were sleeping in a post office? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> okay, so that you went and to the doctor.
1: The <laughs> oh no!
2: Oh no! <laughs> so that you they tested you and you found out you were pregnant. Yes. How when? did you feel?
3: No. How did you feel? Um. I was, they called me. Actually, they called me. Well, the minute they told me, my heart dropped, and I thought, "What have I done?" <laughs> Life, my life, as I know it, has come to an end. Is this what I really wanted? I was very nervous.
1: An honest answer.
3: An honest answer. And when did you start to feel
2: better or excited? Or did you?
3: I felt okay about it. After, I mean, probably in a couple of days. But dad didn't. Dad didn't. Not really. What is he? What was he? What was he up to? Apprehensive. He didn't really. I mean, he. I think he was hoping that three times would come and go, and and I wouldn't have gotten pregnant. That's what I believe. Is favorite. that like the limit? They only do it three times. Yeah, we only were going to do three times. We were all good. Twice.
0: Self-imposed limit. Smart.
2: So you had a self-imposed limit of three times. Uh huh. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> Okay, so that's coincidental or serendipitous. So then how was your pregnancy?
3: It was, um, I mean, I did very well with it. I didn't ever cook, which, well, I used to cook, (laughs) but I didn't feel like cooking. So Sybil, Tina and Ken's friend, she actually... She knew when I met her at the doctor's office. She knew Tina and Kim, so she started cooking for me. She'd bring me food and that. So uh, he wasn't a,
2: he wasn't a great cook.
3: Well, he just he cooked, but he just made weird things. <laughs> <laughs> he made spam. And put it on a piece of bread and put jelly on it. Oh <laughs> yeah. no. But I felt okay. I felt good actually. I mean I didn't feel I was tired a lot and I I did not eat much because I didn't have room in my stomach. Taking uh-huh. up the room. That's why you were still so skiddy in your limbs when you were pregnant. Right. Mm-hmm. I lost weight. My, my body lost weight. All the babe, all, they, The doctor said all my weight was baby weight.
2: Mm-hmm. Speaking of spam, you guys didn't have very much money, right?
3: Well, we did, yeah, because we both had good jobs, but we had a lot of payments. Mm-hmm. We bought stuff on credit. Will you define what you mean by good jobs? <laughs> Well, the post office was a good job mm-hmm. I mean, because before that I was working for Merrill Lynch and I only made $11,000 a year and that was mm-hmm. a good job, you know, a good white collar <laughs> job. But uh, when I got hired at the post office, I made three times that amount and I had benefits and all that. And how,
2: what was dad doing professionally at the time? He was uh, driving a truck. A truck driver. Yes. Okay. So your pregnancy was going well. How didn't you find out you were
3: pregnant with triplets until seven months along? Because I actually, you know what? I went into this florist shop that morning on the way to the doctor. And the guy that was working in there, he made an indication of my stomach. And I said, yeah or something you know and he says no no I said yes I'm pregnant and he says no no he held up two fingers and I said well I don't know I'm going to the doctor right now I'm going (laughs) (laughs) because you they confirmed that you were pregnant it was just a normal checkup I was just going for a normal monthly checkup
2: But you, so when you got pregnant, they confirmed that you were pregnant and then they didn't do another ultrasound?
3: No, because I went back to Dr. Green. I left Dr. Vargas, who was the one that the gynecologist had helped me get pregnant and went back to Dr. Green. Okay.
2: So a lot of the discrepancy would have been that you got pregnant with one doctor and then saw another doctor for the majority of your prenatal care.
3: Right. And after this happened, Dr. Vargas said, this will never happen again. From now on, they're going to stay with me until they have birth.
2: Mm -hmm. So you went in and you had an ultrasound. And what did they say?
3: No. Well, okay. I went in and Dr. Green was checking the heartbeats. And she's, oh, no, she measured me. And she said, "Uh oh, uh oh, and I said, what? And she said, we need to have an ultrasound. I said, why? Well, because you're 28 weeks and you measure 32. So I went in two days later to have an ultrasound and they told me there was three babies.
0: Julianne has a question. So just to clarify, Kathleen, this situation was so unheard of, had never happened before, that it actually changed procedure For the doctor that helped you get pregnant from that time forward? Yes. Because not only that,
3: Julianne, but uh, the pills that I took were only supposed to create a 5% chance of twins. Oh, wow. So the fact that I got pregnant with triplets was another thing that was...
0: Just like statistically off the charts. (laughs) Yes. Okay. So they said...
2: She So she did an ultrasound and she heard three heartbeats and she told you that there were three?
3: Yes, Dad was at the hospital. I went for an ultrasound at the hospital. And so what did you feel, say?
2: I cried. I cried. You cried.
3: Yes. What did Dad do? He was not happy. <laughs> he just glared at me. I mean, pretty much he was just not very happy. So then so you went, went home. On the way home, I said, we'll put them up for adoption. And he said, well, let's think about this. So, but eventually he that he thought that would be thing to do.
2: So you ultimately decided on adoption because you're deaf and dad was old.
3: <laughs> and... Uh- Well, I don't know if deaf was a part of it. I think it was more a fear of what would I do if he left? How would I take care of things if he left? And I guess I could, if I really stopped to think about it, yeah, it would have been because I was deaf, because how would I hear all you guys? And yeah, so that probably,
0: Julianne has a question. So you were worried that he was going to be so upset that you were having three babies that he would leave. Yes. And then the things that Ricky would just, just said would become true. You would be financially really strapped. <laughs> I know I'm crying. And crying. <laughs> Sorry, we're all in a little motion. <laughs> um, so I think that's kind of what I was getting at is that. It, it was fair. It was fair. Of,
3: of my job. I mean, how my what do I do with three babies and still being able to work? Am I going to be able to work? Am I am, am.
0: And the fear of being a single parent for that. right A single death, a single death mom. Yeah. Yeah.
2: And because you guys were by no means rolling in dough. Mm. That's, yeah. You have a, to, you have a much more, humble or practical way of thinking about money when you're talking about it, then people think about it today. So you were, you couldn't just buy things that you wanted or go on trips oh, or anything. You yeah. were on credit
3: month to month. Now yeah, we had a second mortgage on the house and there we go. <laughs> okay. And I don't know why, because we had money. I mean, you know, that house we bought, it was only $76,000.
0: <laughs> I feel like oh. we need a garage tour. <laughs> what were you buying on credit? <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't
3: know. TV, <laughs> <You> no. <know>?
0: Harley's, <laughs> huh?
3: Motorcycles? No, no, no. We we bought an RV. <laughs> Um, The motorcycle. I don't I wouldn't call that because mine was Rick's bike and so we just fixed that up. But can you
2: so we read <laughs> speaking of Rick and his bike, this would probably be helpful for everyone to know in thinking about dad having kids. Um, can you tell us more about Rick?
3: Rick was a very Nice guy. He was wonderful. Who was he? Mm-hmm. Who was he? He was just he was Lee's son. I mean oh uh Pat was his mother. Is that what you so mean? yeah, so Rick was dad's son from a
2: different marriage.
3: Yes. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, yes.
2: Yes, Pat. Mm-hmm.
3: Um Pat was the mother of Rick and Cherry. Mm-hmm. So and dad had two kids. He's a wonderful guy. Dad had two kids with Pat, Rick and Cherry.
2: And he was best friends with Rick. Well, yes.
3: <laughs> and you keep trying to tell me that you weren't in love with Rick. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't. I wasn't, in fact. But you know what Rick said to me once? Um, he was out of town and we were down at the bar and we were dancing and he said it's too bad that my dad met you first. <laughs> yeah. but and then, he then what? Um, would, he would never do anything like that. He never never loved left. you. Yes. Yeah. And then what, um, what happened to him? He was killed on, the, on his motorcycle, uh, approximately three, three blocks from home. So he he had been at a bar and he left the bar and it was up on Wadsworth somewhere. And he was turned up and he came to an intersection and a lady turned left in front of him. Can you
2: tell us more about how they told you and dad?
3: Um, The sheriff and the mortician came to the house at two in the morning. And so, and it was blurry after that. I mean, Troy even came up to me and he said, you're gonna have to let him be. And so he can find his way. So
2: do you think that because dad had such a beloved son that died, he would have been? More apprehensive
3: about having more babies. I don't know. Um, he died in eighty-two. So I think it was more just his age. I don't. I don't know, Ricky. We never never talked about it. No, I don't think so. I mean, he never attributed to that.
0: I doubt that he would. I want,
3: I want to say something funny about Rick. Um, <laughs> one time I, so he was living with us. And so I was walking to go into the bathroom or something. And Lee was standing there talking to Rick and his bedroom door was open. And Lee, uh, Rick was sitting up in bed. So he just had his chest with no shirt on and he saw me and he went it covers up to his chest (laughs) he was
2: very
1: modest modest fella
2: I mean none of us have kids but when we think about losing even our animals you always think that you would never want another animal right like another dog like that because you don't want to go through that heartbreak again right so I think with their relationship that would have been hard Mm -hmm. absolutely so you and dad decided to put the babies up for adoption two of them and then tell us about how you what you were looking for in adoptive
3: parents and how you found tina and Ken. I first interviewed two other couples before them. Before I interviewed Tina and Ken, one of them actually was—you remember Jeannie and Frank next door? Okay, it was one of their friends, and so Sybil didn't know anything about them, and I didn't didn't pick them obviously. And then Sybil entered. Had I don't remember the other people. Whoever else I interviewed but then she brought Tina and Ken over.
2: So had you already decided no on the other people or you
3: decided no when you met Tina and Ken? I was waiting. I was just waiting. Waiting for what? Just to make sure I was going to meet Tina and Ken and then I was going to decide.
2: And so tell us about meeting Tina and Ken. (laughs) This
3: is going to be a mess. (laughs)
2: Tell um, us about
3: meeting um, Tina and Ken. <clears throat> I opened the door and they were coming up the walk. And when they saw me, they both looked at each other and their eyes were like open wide <laughs> because I was obviously pregnant. <laughs> <laughs> you know, because the other girl told them that they, she was pregnant and she wasn't. But um, and also. OK, well, no, that's for another story. Um They came in and we talked and I asked the question that I asked the other two, how do you feel about adopting a child? And Kenny said, I just want to have a baby.
2: What were your first impressions of them when they walked up? When they what? When they
3: walked up. I was pleased. I mean, they were... (laughs) They blew everybody else out of the water.
2: (laughs) Can you tell us more about what they looked like and what they
3: sounded like? How they presented? Tina had really, really short hair. She was so cute. (laughs) Very cute. And Kenny was very outgoing. And Tina was very (laughs) Um, extirpricate. They were very good. Very good people. And they came
2: to your house in Brighton? Yes. And they did they seem like they had any impressions about you and dad or the way that you were doing things?
3: I don't recall that. Uh, in fact, I don't even know when they said yes. I mean, I don't know if they said yes that day or if they told Sybil later, and she told us. I, I don't recall how that went down.
0: I'm sure it's all very <laughs> overwhelming.
3: It's, you've got two months.
2: <laughs> it's not like it's <laughs> so. They said yes about two months. From... <laughs> That's so crazy. They did. They well, <laughs> they it couldn't have been any longer than two months. <laughs> oh, well, I'm sure they said yes right away. Mm hmm. Kemi has a question.
1: I have a question really quick. I just wanted to um, clarify a little bit. So um, you asked them how they felt about adopting because the, the child wouldn't be biologically theirs. Right. And what did the other couples say? What were the other couples answer to that question?
3: They said that they really wanted to have their own child, They were doing this for their wife.
1: Okay. And then my daddy said he didn't care. He just wanted to have a baby. He didn't
3: even even skip a beat. He just came right out and said that right at that moment.
2: (laughs) Um, Can you, you had talked about what had happened to them before they were happy that you were obviously pregnant.
3: Can you tell us more about that? Well, no, that was for a later time. Um, (laughs) Whenever people talked about, are you sure you want to do this? It's okay. It's okay, Mom. Because, okay... At that time, or prior to that, up somewhere up north, there was an adopted family that had adopted a child. Two years later, the birth mother came back and she wanted her baby. And so it was a big thing on TV. All the news people were there and they filmed the whole thing. And so the birth mother walked up to this couple with their little two-year-old baby and they they had to pry the child away from the adoptive parents' arms. And then the birth mother took him and he never even knew her. And I said, I cannot do that. I can't put Tina and Kenton through that. No matter what. <laughs> mm-hmm. So on to
2: happier things, <laughs> um, they agreed to adopt the girls, and you had about two months, <laughs> and then tell us about when your water broke, and when you knew you were going to the hospital, and how you were talking
3: to Tina and Ken. Um, okay, so it was the day before, were texting, the 4th of obviously. July, we were at the neighbors, and I was in a swimming pool and that's why the doctor initially said that my water broke was because I was so relaxed in the pool. So water baby, (laughs) because there was nothing holding me up. I was just laying in a inner tube thing and I was just totally happy because I just love water anyway. So, so then the next day, well, the next day was would have been the fifth, unless we celebrated on the fifth, because it was like the next day I went out to move the sprinkler, and I squatted down, and the water broke of one of the, one of them, and I don't know which one. Wait,
0: <laughs> wait. <laughs> when you are having more than one child, do your waters break separately?
1: Yes oh my god (laughs) I was today years old (laughs) today I learned
2: (laughs) okay so you bent down to move the sprinkler and your water broke
3: now also I need to add this okay so the day that I found out I was having triplets I had to go I had to leave work so I had to stay home because they wanted to make sure I didn't do anything physically to create the babies coming sooner than any sooner than necessary. So I was home all the time and I had to wear this thing on my stomach that would tell them how many contractions I was having because I was having contractions. You don't
2: mean on purpose. (laughs) You mean, they didn't want you to overexert yourself. Right. Not that you might do
3: something on purpose.
1: Oh, no, no, no. they didn't
3: want me to. Well, I didn't. I don't recall wording it that way, but
1: yeah. no. We're just
3: clarifying, <laughs> oh.
1: ma'am.
2: We're just clarifying. Oh, okay.
3: okay. No, they. I had to medically have that little machine on so they could hear the heartbeats because I or the the contractions. So I would be. I would wear it, and then I would put the phone in in the machine so they could listen to the contractions. And one day I had nine contractions and they're like, what are you doing? I said, well, I <laughs> oh, <no." laughs> don't know what I was doing, but I just, so I had to start just laying around and not do anything. <laughs> but that day I just happened to move
0: the sprinkler and <laughs> The water broke. <laughs> that day. I just happened to be doing very strenuous work. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, you know I, I'm assuming it
3: was Julianne's water that broke. <laughs> oh, no, oh, but, oh. but this reading those medical reports on Kendall, it's possible that it was her. Mm-hmm. she had But didn't didn't that paper say that Kendall was breathing amniotic mm-hmm. or something so mm-hmm.
2: You were just nice. sitting
3: in there in your own
2: stuff for a <laughs> wow. day. Nice. Sorry, sis. It it's a miracle.
0: A <laughs> she turned out as well as she did.
2: <laughs> she does have asthma. Maybe that's what that's from. Okay. So you rushed to the hospital, I'm assuming.
3: My mom was there. My mom got there the day before, of course. She just barely made it. She's like, no, I went the next day. Um, Wait, when is
2: grandma... Wait, 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 wait. When was grandma's birthday?
3: The fifth. So she got there on her birthday. Yes, or or maybe on the fourth. I don't know, but uh, she was there for the party, so... I mean, she got okay. there just one or two days prior. She was just there. So anyway, this is- so Jeannie and Jeannie and Jeannie drove me to the hospital because dad wasn't home. He was on the road. So mom stayed back and waited for dad because they must have called him. And so he came home right away and got my mom. So uh, got to the hospital, and Lee started calling Tina and Kent. And so they were on their last vacation as a married couple without children, and they were up in Fort Collins or some lake, blah blah. Loveland. Loveland. Mm-hmm. Okay. And uh, apparently, their friend came oh, on the, the shore. shore. Kenny was out on the lake with his friend and then Tina got the call from Lee. So she's running out there yelling at them to come into the house. And Kenny saying, no, you didn't you didn't want to go fishing when we left. So, no, we're not coming back.
0: And she's going, no, the
1: babies.
0: (laughs) You guys, I'm just going to say they were probably not sober.
1: (laughs) No,
2: it was Fourth of July weekend. We were born on a Saturday. (laughs) They They were were (laughs) lit on the middle of a lake in a paddle boat. Yes, paddle boating. I'm pretty sure. (laughs) And so they had to drunkenly paddle boat to shore. After giving the ladies on the shore shit, because they were like, no, you didn't even want to come out with us. You stay out there on the shore. And they were like, no, we're having a baby. baby. I'm sure
0: they just called an Uber.
2: <laughs> yeah, totally. They called an Uber. So then you got to the hospital. How long
3: were you in labor? I didn't have any labor. No uh, labor? No. Damn. <laughs> I got to the hospital and within... An hour and a half. I had the baby. And how soon
2: af- How soon did Dad show up?
3: Oh, okay. They did. They were able to show up just before they took me into the. Oh wait a minute! <laughs> wait a minute! Dad brought me to the hospital. Okay. Mom stayed home because they didn't know if it was a real thing. They didn't know if I was really going to have a baby. <laughs> and well, so- and, <laughs> and dad and grandma
2: probably couldn't be in the same car together.
3: Probably not.
2: <laughs> um,
3: so he said, oh, jump. trouble <laughs> jump. Anyway, uh, so then Jeannie bought my mom up. And so okay. then my mom was very happy to be able to see me before I went in for the surgery. Mm-hmm. She was crying. Wow. She never cried. She did sometimes. Okay.
2: So then you had a C section. Mm-hmm. We're team at 10 at the.
3: Without question. <laughs> yeah. They do that. I mean, they do that with twins now, I believe, mm-hmm. automatically. And here's the big question
2: that everyone on no. TikTok wants to know
3: how did you choose (laughs) yes (laughs) that's it because Dr. Vargas of course never told me that anyone was identical so I had I had asked that question is are any of the girls identical because after I found out I was having three I rush educated myself on multiple births and I didn't want to separate identical twins. So he never said that anybody was identical. So uh, Julian was first. Oh, wait a minute. So they, okay. In the last ultrasound, they told me that Julian was the only one that was in the center head down and you and Kendall on the sides were up. <laughs> Beach. And you guys were up. And he said, that won't change. That's going to stay there because there's too much stuff in there. Nobody's going to move. Well, Kendall. Or like won't.
1: sardines. <laughs>
3: <laughs> she turned around. And so I just took that as those two were together. And you were up here on my left side by yourself.
2: So Kendall turned around against all odds in the womb late to be with Julianne. So you adopted them together
3: that's what i felt you i, mean, I don't know how right I, chose. <laughs> I have that i have no i'm so glad that happened because yeah i don't know <laughs> how, I, at that time i had no idea mm-hmm.
2: were a lot of people asking you how you were going to choose
3: oh yes they well, did i told the story even after i after i had you guys and and it was all said and done how did you do that? I want to black my husband before I got rid of my children. And it was just it was a lot of judgment, a lot of judgment. But people well, let's, just don't know until you're there.
1: Let's be real if anybody had ended up with these two together, <laughs> they would no longer be with us. Oh. <laughs>
3: Has said that. He has said, "I'm so glad I
0: did the Juliet and Ricky to together." She says that all the time. Rude. Wow. <laughs> Ricky, she's right. <laughs> no, we do that.
3: Oh, okay. <laughs> um I. I'm so glad I have sweet Kendall. <laughs> I'm sorry that
2: you were judged. I say all the time, if Colin and I, now I'm going to say this to the internet. If Colin and I were to have a a child and have to choose between each other or the child, I would always choose Colin because that's the person that I chose to be with in the first place. And, and I've made a sort of a
3: commitment to them. Wow. And, yeah. Also... I had never had kids before. I mean, that was my first ever pregnancy at age 35. I never had any siblings younger than me. I never babysat anyone. I never, I didn't know any younger kids. And so it was very easy for me in my mind to make that choice. However, after, I couldn't have never made that choice again. I would have never chose that again, having no love of a child.
1: I would have never did that again. Um, I just want to say that uh, we have never judged or felt any kind of animosity or anything. We're very, very grateful to you for what you did. Thank you.
0: We are very... Grateful. And this whole thing has been so much fun to do together, but that is the number one thing that has been coming up on social media that we're having to kind of shield my mom from. I think you're not going to be buying into that kind of thing as (laughs) much as she is, but she has been so up in the comments of TikTok and whatever. And that's the number one thing. And that's not by any means the chief reason that we wanted to talk to you, but that's why this was so important because we want people to know that there was a very good reason for this and that we, none of us three harbor any ill will judgment. And we know that this is the way that this was supposed to happen. Well, I think,
2: (laughs) I think we'd be, I think we'd be remiss not to mention that if you hadn't given Julianne and Kennel to Tina and Ken to adopt, then you would have never known that.
3: No, no. And that was something I used to say. How did I say that? Remember? Okay. So I wanted, I asked for a selective reduction and they told me, no, you're too far along and they said if you do that now you will run the risk of losing all of them so my thought was how did i say that it would be easier for me to just have one and to have never known that i and to have never known the others or that they were there than to have them be there and to never be able to see them or it was it was preferable to me to just if they had had never been around then I wouldn't have the heartache that I had of knowing that they weren't with me but I have to say this I always not with Kendall I never felt Kendall was upset with me in any way for doing what I did but I always wondered about you and I always felt like you um, were angry about it so (laughs)
0: I have never been angry. Okay. I promise you that. Okay. And I love you. I love you guys too. (laughs) So
2: what did it feel like when Tina and Ken left the hospital with Julianna Kendall?
3: I wasn't there. I was home with you. You and I went home together together I oh, wait. No, uh, I went home because you guys had to stay in for a while. You only stayed in for about a day, and they stayed in like Julian stayed in about seven days. And I think Kendall was there about 10 days. So, but after I went home, they called the next morning, and one of you had to have um, a tube put down your throat into your stomach to try to jumpstart your your temperature, to bring your temperature back up. And I think it was Ricky. I think it was you because uh, I, I'm sure it was you because it, it scared me to death. And I wasn't, oh, I didn't tell the story either. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So I had um, had you guys and then I was in my room during the night and the nurse came down and she brought me Ricky and I fed her and then we were talking about Julianne and Kendall and she said would you like to see them and this was right after or that night and I said sure and I went down to and I got to hold Julianne and Kendall and that was... Very difficult thing. So when I got back to the room the next morning, Lisa said, Well, do you do you want to keep them? And I said, How could I do that? Tina and Ken are ready for them. They have the two beds and they have everything. How could I?
2: It's really selfless. Very because you would have, I mean, she would have been well within her legal rights, I think, too. Yeah have made that decision and they would have, that would have destroyed my mom I
3: like, had, permanently I could have did it up to two years I could have, that was the that should not be law <laughs> <laughs>
2: well you did a good job mom Thank you, you did, did a really good job so How did it feel? So the adoption was supposed to be open. We met when we were one and then it was closed. I don't think it was officially closed. Can we back up a second and say what that means? So you had uh, originally agreed to an open adoption with Tina and Ken, which meant that we could essentially come and go from each other's lives, talk to each other, see each other. You would be in communication and we would be in communication. Well, that's, well, that's and what we, then, oh, that's what you hoped for. Well,
3: it, it, we did talk about it, but I mean, I wasn't sure that it was going to play out that way. I mean, I didn't know it. Okay. It changed their mind
2: And so then after we met when we were one, I think that was
3: too much. Right. You so Six months. You were six months old when we met in the park. That's where that picture's are from. Oh. (laughs) That was six months old. Okay. But wait a minute. We we went to their house in Inglewood. Probably after a month. We went down and we took you down there and we were passing the I think there's a videotape on that. We were passing babies around and all that. And then we met again at six months at the park in Denver.
2: When you went to see them in Inglewood, were they happy?
1: Oh,
3: yes. Yes, we were all just, I mean, it it was funny seeing how we all learned because Tina and Ken and I were the first time parents and dad had already been through it all. (laughs) So we were all talking and talking about, You know, well, babysit this and that and all that. It was.
2: And did you know? When did you know that you did the right thing?
3: Oh, let me think. I'm trying to think of a. I think I always knew I did the right thing in my heart, but after. I don't know. I had to fight with it a lot in my mind. I had to fight with that argument in my mind over and over again. Because then I would hear people say, well, how did you do that? So it was, I had a lot of guilt for what I did. Do you still? No. Why? Because... Look at you all. You're all together, and you're healthy and happy and smart some days <laughs> a few
2: if you guys do you have any other questions, and then I think I just have one one more for her.
0: I don't have any questions. I've obviously some to say
2: after. Okay. um so last question, what? having that experience and seeing us all grow up, would you want other parents considering putting their babies up for adoption to know and other parents adopting babies to know?
3: I, well, obviously I believe in adoption a hundred percent and because they want to have children too, and they can. not So, I mean, there are so many different ways to have a baby now. I mean, you can do the surrogate, and you can do, you know, all this other stuff. But back then, that wasn't so prevalent. So, I think it's important because, uh, for one, I think that you've saved, you've saved the baby and let the baby live and have a new, uh, have a good home. And I think that you want to listen. You want to have a heart to let other people experience being a mom and dad. I definitely would say that, I mean, for me anyway, I couldn't have done it more than once. So if I would have gotten pregnant again by some chance and didn't couldn't or whatever, I wouldn't have been able to do that again. Wouldn't have been able to put them up for adoption again.
2: With it being a law that a birth mother can come and reclaim her babies up to two years and after meeting in the park at six months old, do you think that's probably why they decided to keep us separate after that?
3: Probably. Did you ever talk about it? Um... I I didn't dad was the one that was doing the talking to them so he was the one that was saying well we're ready to meet you know, he was very forceful about that and I just wanted to make sure and I know you've seen the letter that I wanted to make sure that you girls had a chance to know each other I mean it was about you guys as sisters it wasn't but that was after a few years went by. So I, it would be hard. Yes. I mean, that was a good play on their part to be a little bit nervous about letting us see the babies Mm -hmm. and saying, Oh, why do
2: you, so dad didn't, wasn't excited about having children, Uh, not more children. (laughs) And then you had me and his heart changed. And and can you tell us about that and why he was forceful with Tina and Ken about
3: wanting to see the babies? For me. Well, (laughs) that was after you were a little bit older. But I can tell you that when I first brought you home, he didn't do anything. (laughs) I took care of (laughs) you. I did it all for like six months until you gave back to him. When you smiled back to him, then he was—he was gone, a goner. Because he was—he was changing your diaper, and you were <laughs> smiling at him, and he <laughs> fell in love. <laughs> but yeah, I do. I don't hold it against them for being scared, but I also wanted to make sure they knew. It was for you guys, not for me. They had to know that.
0: Kathleen, thank you just so much for doing this with us. And I just wanted to say one last time thank you. Not last time, but for right now. (laughs) Thank you. And we are so grateful and cannot stop talking about how brave and selfless you were. And you received no judgment from me or Kendall. And I don't think this would be the way that it is without you having done what you did. And so we thank you from the bottom of our hearts and we do love you.
3: I'm glad you guys love me. I am. I'm glad I know this. Yeah. And I'm glad that you guys, more than anything, I'm glad that you guys are together and you have a sister relationship that is the most important.
0: You good, Kenny?
1: Yeah, I I love you, Kathleen. And I think um, every time I talk to you, I learn more things um, that were just so similar. <laughs> <And it's crazy. laughs> but um, thank you so much for doing this with us. And um, I, we really appreciate it because I know this is really hard. Um, but we're really excited to be able to to tell people that this can be a really good thing.
0: And get ready to go on a trip. (laughs) When we, after we record the last episode of the
2: podcast, we want to take a trip, the three of us and you and Tina. And we're going to drag your ass to a beach. (laughs)
3: Oh, a beach off the United States? Yes. (laughs) Sure. Okay. (laughs) Now, listen. Are you going to get this captioned for me? Uh this I have yet to see a podcast that is captioned.
1: We can caption
3: the YouTube one. We? Yeah, we'll we'll work it out. We'll make sure. Because if you don't, <laughs> there's nothing <We'll>, for me. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get it done for you. You did a
2: great job, mom. Thank you. You're welcome. I love you. I again. love you.
3: We'll
2: Bye. see you Bye. on the beach. Okay. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> Bye. Wow! What an interview. I don't know what I expected from my mom, but it wasn't that. It was lovely. Uh, I, She didn't hold back. Um, so I'm going to keep her away from the comments. <laughs> and I think the most important thing to take away from anything that she said. I mean, she divulged some pretty interesting details in um, that it wasn't so much about money. It was about money. (laughs) She just has a very modest way of viewing living circumstances, which is lovely. Um, But it was new to me to hear that she essentially was very scared that my dad would leave her. And she would be stuck with three babies as a single deaf parent. Um, So I think that that was the overarching and more prominent threat for her. Um, I know she throws in that little part about uh, selective reduction, which is interesting, especially to talk about in the 90s. um, And I think it's still super important to consider today an important thing for women to be able to do, um, but not necessarily so easy for an audience or the two potentially selectively reduced in question. So I really appreciate the way that she showed up. I think it was super real, but I'd be more interested to know for you both in that being the first time in talking to her about that circumstance or sitting down with her for any long amount of time and having a real conversation, what you
1: took away from that. Um, first of all, with the selective reduction, I knew that that was going to be like a hard thing for people to hear. To be clear, we had some health issues in the hospital. Like it was scary for a little bit there. So just to put that out there. Um, I'm sure my mom will talk more about it, but um, yeah, it was, I am I've always had kind of a soft spot for Kathleen because we are so similar. Um, And I just learned more this time around, even more similar stuff. Like we're both water babies. I'm like the happiest when I'm in the water, (laughs) Um, which is why it works out for me being here because of the river. You can find me there. All the time, um, and also, Ricky, are you named after? Oh my God, I was going to ask that same exact question.
0: You're did you guys not know that? Mm-hmm.
1: I didn't even know that.
2: Mm, namesake, two men. Mm-hmm. Yes, uh, that was also really interesting to hear about Rick and to reflect on how that might have influenced my father's willingness to have another baby after that. He they were so close um, there are so many like videos and pictures during that time. And I know my mom said that there was a time when my dad's best friend, Troy said, you're just going to have to leave him be, which we would have dealt with a lot differently (laughs) in 2023. But, uh, I am named after Rick, Ricky, his Mm -hmm. name was
0: Ricky, uh, and Lee, Harlan Lee, Ricky Lee. That's me.
1: That's so. I just i never knew that. I didn't know that either. I was going to ask the same exact question. Mm-hmm. Um. So yeah, I think it was really. Lo- I've I've obviously talked more to Kathleen than Julianne has. Um, visited her a couple times. Um. So interested to to hear what your
0: takeaways were. I just think she handled herself with such grace and the level of honesty that she brought was unexpected. And again, as she's proven herself to be, extremely brave. Uh, there were some things that were mind-boggling to me. This has nothing to do with your mom, but the fact that waters break separately <laughs> for multiples blew my mind. But as far as Kathleen goes, yes, her and I have always had kind of like an unspoken weirdness between us it was interesting to see where that comes from and again I have so much respect and love for her and to hear how hard it was for her I think that's so important for people to empathize with and understand is that that was a really really difficult decision for her and she made it for the best reasons and for the right reasons I don't think that we were talking about it I don't think None of the three of us could picture having one baby right now and financially supporting them. And we are all (laughs) in good financial positions. So I think that that's so important for people to understand where she was coming from and to have respect for that and the decisions that she made. I also didn't know about these laws that a parent can, a mother can claim their child for up to two years after adoption. So it makes so much sense why that adoption was closed after meeting my parents i think my parents were terrified and i'm sure my, that my mom will talk about that i think they were physically scared that someone could take their their babies and and leave so
2: i think it was so interesting to hear a lot of people on the internet have thought that she sort of just brazenly and without much thought or care gave these babies away and to hear it sounds like if Tina and Ken hadn't gone through such tumult in being misled by a previous adoption candidate being told she was pregnant. She wasn't, it was a scam. Um, I think if they hadn't have gone through that, I mean, my mom was obviously sitting there pining for months, if not years about,
0: I think that's what she was
2: kind of getting very at. With torn. My,
0: mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: I think she was very torn on whether or not she should pull that rip cord. And, I don't have a child, but they say it's like the second that they set them on your chest, you've never loved anything more. And the fact that she held you guys, um, I don't think she probably slept for like a, a no. good mm-hmm. year just going back and forth on like, should I exercise this right that I have? Right. And then for her to ultimately come to the conclusion that just that would selflessly. be... Selflessly. Selflessly, bravely come to the conclusion that, that would be so devastating to these new, excited, beautiful parents. Yeah. Um, I think yeah. says. Everything that I need to know about her at the very least.
1: And I'm also just so glad that because she made that decision the way that she did, that we got to be a part of our parents' lives because they truly are. And were just the best people. So,
2: Yeah, I don't know if that landed so much with her, but in saying that, like, if you hadn't been adopted to Tina and Ken, I meant you would have never met them. Mm-hmm. And, like those are our people. Yeah. Those are I our mean people. the world would be so much less colorful without knowing them, even for me, so for you too.
1: And they probably wouldn't have gotten to be parents at all. They no, I don't think they would have gone through it again, so they would have just been done, I think. So just such a blessing to give to them. Their story is definitely one to tell,
0: which is why we're going to be able to do that. So next week we will actually be talking to mine and Kendall's mom, Tina. So she's going to take us how she how through how she grew up meeting the love of her life, uh, her struggle to have children and ultimately the adoption process from her point of view. So we are signing off. In the meantime, we hope that you leave feeling a little bit more normal in your own family dynamic, excited for the possibilities, and more curious about the world around you. Have a good week. Take things in stride and leave people better than you found them. We will see you next time. On TikTok, follow us at Luke, who is your father, at Ricky Jump, and at Jules, who is your father. On Instagram, follow us at Luke, who is your father, and at Ricky Jump. And on YouTube, follow us at Luke, who is your father. Thank you so much to Kathleen for being our first guest. She did such an amazing job. Uh, Scribe Media for production and Herzo for original music. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye.